Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host Sam Brooks and tonight I'm joined by Raphael Jukovin and James Brook. And uh, of course we've got a very interesting weekend of Serie A football to look back on. Uh, Going to start with the fact that we have some new leaders in the league uh, and that's Inter who played Lazio on Sunday night picking up a 3-1 victory. And I'll come to you first, Raphael. What, what did you make of their performance? And, and did you see this as a statement win for Inter? Definitely. I think they showed all the all the makings of a title-winning squad in that match. I think the fact that the fact that despite you know despite their shortcomings this season, despite the fact that they have had a few a few issues for, you know blowing points and blowing games and, and losing points, I think we saw the makings of a t- of a side that's clearly the favourites for the for the run-in, basically. I think, you know, we saw, you know, Lukaku on top form scoring two goals and getting an assist. He's the sort of title-winning striker that you want. Um, Eriksen coming back into form, which is great to see. You know, he's clearly, he's, in the last few weeks, something has clicked between him and Conte and he's, he's been used a lot more. He's really looking a lot more integrated in the team. Um, so, yeah, I, I think on the whole, the performance as well, it was actually not that not that unbalanced as the uh, as the scoreline would suggest. You know, the last year weren't necessarily bad, but into you know, just by virtue of their their individual talent in the team, they can they can get these big wins. They can they can look the strongest side just by virtue of that. I mean, you know, across the pitch, really. The even if you have players. Even if, if, even if you have players who have off days, like Hakimi did, for example, in that game, you have other players who are going to step up. So, when you consider, when you take into consideration the fact that they're not going to be playing European football midweek, so they'll be able to rest their players, it's hard to it's hard to look past them as you know as title favourites. Yeah, and and obviously that came off the back of beating Juventus last month in another impressive win. So they do seem to be winning most of those big games currently. Uh, Probably the major talking point from the game was Inter's opening goal, which was a penalty for a foul um, on Lautaro Martinez. Caused quite a lot of debate. I think a lot of people thought that Wesley Hooks um, got the ball initially, but then there was, uh, you know, suggestion that his knee had caught Lautaro um, on the ankle just before he got the ball. Is that how you saw things, James? Did Did you think it was a clear penalty in the end? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Actually, say initially it did look as if it was contentious and it did look as if he got to the ball first, didn't it? But having seen it back, it, it is as clear as they come, really. He's gone straight straight through the back of him. Um, doesn't get the ball at all. Um, and it did look theatrical. And it, Lautaro, we've seen it from him in the past as well. So initially you're thinking, here we go. That's that's never a penalty, is it? But he, he does clearly come straight through him with his kind of trailing leg. And yeah, for me, it was as clear as they come, having seen it back again. Um, and I, d- I don't think there can be too much complaint about it, really. he's It was a little bit reckless. You can see why he's done it. He's just gambled. He thought he could get there first. And he's just, just you know, gone through the back of him, like I say. But... For me, no complaints having seen it back, and uh, I think it, I think it was a penalty. And as soon as the penalty is given, 
you know, Lukaku's never going to miss, is he? I think that's 13 from 13 now for Inter. And he, he just, every time he steps up, he just, he looks like he's going to put the ball in the net. He's a man, obviously, so full of confidence at the moment. And um, I think from that point on, it was always a struggle, really, for Lazio to, to get anything from it, really. Lukaku in that kind of mood, you know, you don't want to be giving him gifts like that in the kind of form that he's in. So, yeah, I think from that point onwards, it was always going to be maybe difficult for Lazio. But, yeah, no no complaints for me in terms of the penalty. And I, I'd be interested to see if, if you know, if Raf feels the same or if if he, if he thinks it, if, if he thinks it was harsh. Because for me, that's what VAR's there for. It looks harsh. Look at it again. Actually, no, he's got it bang on. So I'm not sure uh, if Raf, Raf disagrees or if he... If he thinks it was a penalty too, or, or what you think as well, so Yeah, no, I think it was spot on. We we saw we saw after the game, you know, there was an initial sort of, I guess, a sort of anger from uh, from Lazio fans because when you look at it in real time, it does look like a perfect tackle. But yeah, we saw we saw the the images afterwards. It was pretty clear. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. It's a case where VAR did work well on this occasion. I think not just Lazio fans, I think Juventus and Milan fans were also sort of in uproar initially. <laughs> um, but yeah, as you know, I, I think particularly at half time when more images came out, you did see that there had been contact just before he got the ball. Um, and I just want to move on to Lazio, Raphael. Um, this sort of ended a really good spell for them. They, they've been on a good winning streak got them back into top four contention. Do you think that they'll bounce back from this quickly and, and remain in contention for the top four? Or are you slightly concerned about particularly their defensive shortcomings? I mean, obviously the penalty was conceded. Marco Parolo came on in defence and got skinned for the third goal. Is that a concern for you in terms of their hopes for making the top four again? I mean, on the face of it, there's no shame in losing to this Inter side. I think, you know, you look, you look at it, they were... They came into the game with six wins in a row. You know, on the face of it, they they're still two points off the top four. I think, I think it's you know it would be harsh to you know suddenly say that they're, I guess they're they're out of contention. But there are clear issues to to resolve. I think Inzaghi's sort of willing is his sort of obsession with bringing players off when they're on a yellow card as well. And that clearly had a bad effect, you know, the fact that he did bring on Parola because of that, and that was a that that was a, I mean, yeah, that obviously that caused the uh, the third goal. But I think on the pitch, there's not, I wouldn't say there's any there's any alarm bells to be rung yet for Lazio. Off the pitch, there might be a few because I don't know if you guys have seen the uh, the news that broke out today that uh, the club well. The president and the uh, the medical staff are being investigated over breaching COVID protocol because um well because they played they played Chiro Immobile back in November even though he was uh, he tested positive so that's uh, that'll be an interesting one to follow because that could potentially have a massive impact on their season in terms of a potential points deduction or even even a relegation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's been rumbling on the last few months. That was uh, around that Torino game, wasn't it? Which mm. um, it was a remarkable match, actually. But yeah, there's controversy surrounding it um, with Immobile's involvement. Uh, so we'll have to see how that 
does pan out. Um, I now want to move on to the reason that Inter did have the chance to go top this weekend, and that is because Milan slipped up, losing 2-0 away at Spezia. And um, that's now three league defeats in 2021 already for Milan. Um, James, for you, was this the most worrying of the lot? Because they've lost to Juve and Atalanta, but had you know, quite significant injuries for those games. This was almost a full-strength side, and they got completely outplayed. So was this a really worrying result if you're a Milan fan? Well, yeah, definitely. But I think it depends how you look at, you know, through the prism of the season, because I, I still think Milan are punching above the weight a little bit. So, you know, the other two defeats that you mentioned, uh, you can lose those games in a season. It's, it's, it is the, the games against the rest of the league and the Spezias and, and the, the lower down teams that can often have an impact on where you finish. And mm-hmm. um, we've seen it throughout, you know, recent history where teams can go and beat the top sides, but can't get a win against the rest of the league. So I think it, it depends where you, where you think as a Milan fan, where you think you're going to end up. If you're still thinking, obviously we're nearly two thirds into the season and they're still going quite well at the top of the league and sites start to shift a little bit and you start thinking hang on we we are going to win the win the league and when that watch at the start of the season if you'd have asked most Milan fans that have said well Champions League getting in the top four has to be the priority so I still think they're looking good for that and I still think they will get top four um but you start looking at these results kind of put together and you do start to wonder whether the title will just be a little bit beyond them um, yeah, it's definitely a concerning defeat. Like you say, it's a full-strength team, but I do still think that these results are going to happen um, to Milan. You look at across the rest of Europe and all the top teams are having results which you wouldn't expect, and Milan have more or less avoided those throughout the season. Um, where the results that would have happened to them two or three years ago, maybe, but they've more or less avoided those kind of results. So I think a step back's needed a little bit from a Milan perspective to see these results might still happen. They are in a process. Um, it's not an overnight thing and they are ahead of schedule. Um, but yeah, definitely concerning. It's not a result that they, that they would have wanted going into into the, the into the derby next week, definitely, especially with Inter having got the momentum with the win that they got. So, yeah, I would be concerned from a Milan perspective, but I still think that it'll be good to achieve the objectives that they would have done at the start of the season, really. And, yeah, what we've seen in recent weeks, though, is that when Milan have had a defeat, they've tended to bounce back pretty well in the next game. However, they do have Inter coming up and then they've got Roma after that. So, Raphael, is there a slight concern that, you know, maybe a derby defeat this weekend could really knock their confidence and maybe derail their season, in fact? Because there's not a massive gap between, you know, first and seventh in the league. So, is there a chance that they really start to fall down the league if they lose these next couple of games? I think that, uh, yeah, I think they've lost definitely lost a lot of momentum and those, you know, those if we if they do lose those two games, and it would be not a nail in the coffin per se, but it would deal a massive blow to their chances. I also think that you know we should be giving a lot more credit to Spezia than uh, than has been, because I think when you look at the when you, when you when you look at the, the the performance from the entire team, it was pretty much the opposite of what of what Milan have been doing in the last few weeks. It was disciplined. They were pressing up, pressing very high up as a team, and you know, having 
look, there were there were a lot of interplay channels in the on the on the left and on the right, which made the team a lot more dynamic than Milan. And I think that obviously the credit goes to uh, to Vincenzo Italiano, who's done an an, an amazing job with uh, with Spezia. And it also shows. I think mean, the difference in you know the difference that a manager can make, a, tactic, a tactically astute manager can make, because as good as Pioli is as a as a man manager as a sort of as a you know as a leader of men, I don't think he's as tactically astute as the as the other managers he's he's up against, especially at the top of the table. Ultimately, that could be that could be Milan's undoing, you know, unable to sort of adapt to. A different, a different style of play that, that he's up against. I think Spezia, you know, Italiano's strength is the fact that he can adapt and sort of change up uh, depending on depending on the opponent, really. So, I think it'll be interesting to see how Bioli reacts to that loss and if he makes any major changes in on the on the tactical front. Because he has been going for pretty much the same sort of same sort of basic setup for for most of the season, and it's worked out for him. So credit to him. But will that loss, you know, maybe question question what he's been working with at the start of the season? Yeah, it's certainly going to be a fascinating couple of weeks for Milan. Um, and I'm glad you've given credit to Spezia there because they were phenomenal this weekend. Uh, they're now nine points above the drop. James, do, do you think they're they're pretty much safe now? And um, you know how how can they go about the rest of the season? C- can they push up to mid table even? Do you think? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. I mean, who knows? They've they've had some real standout results, haven't they? And and as Raf says, you, you really have to praise um, Italiano the job that he's done there. First time managing in in Serie A and. What he's done, he, he was maybe an unknown quantity for for a lot of people. And what he's done there is is amazing. I don't think anybody really gave them a chance at all. Uh, you know, they beat they beat Napoli, they blew Roma away, and now this just to, to top it up to go to the or to play the league leaders. I think the danger is, like you say, there is a nice buffer now. Uh, I think the danger is they could get a little bit carried away. Um, and that you know start to it's again with Milan it's about adjusting expectations and and sometimes that can be good and sometimes that can be that can be bad and I think they just have to keep going take each game as it comes I think they've got some players there who can who can really have a, an impact in the league um, I think Agudelo looked looked good and I don't think he's he's been a particularly important player for them so far but he's he, he looked good and they have a few players who are, who are making an impact and I think for the, for them the aim has to be just avoid relegation that would be a, a huge success and then maybe just see what they can do in the market maybe they can push on a little bit but the danger we see is it happens so many clubs in, in, in every league across Europe a smaller club comes up they start to exceed expectations a little they start to get a bit carried away and then before you know it they're back down where, where they started so I think it has to be a steady progress but massive, massively encouraging signs. And and I mean to answer the question, I do think they will be safe. And um, but I think they do need to just take it, take it one game at a time. And uh, you know, these games aren't going to define the season. They they need to make sure they keep the feet on the ground. But in in, in Vincenzo Italiano, they seem to have a an excellent manager, like Raf says, tactically astute and and who knows where they can take them. Let's see. Yeah, certainly don't want any sort of knee-jerk reactions to to one result, but but they have been building momentum in the past few weeks, to be fair to them, and, oh, and yeah. certainly look 
well on course to avoid relegation, as we say. Um, but back to the other end of the table, of course, and Saturday evening, we had a very, I think everyone was sort of looking forward to this uh, between Napoli and Juventus, given what's gone on between the two clubs this season. Uh, of course, Juve came out on top in the in the uh, Supercoppa a few weeks back, but Napoli won this one 1-0 with a Lorenzo Insigne penalty. Um, how big a win was this for Gattuso, um, given what's been going on at Napoli behind the scenes and also on the pitch in recent weeks, Raphael? I don't think it's a, you know, it's a job-defining win because we did see before the game that De Laurentiis did come out and sort of sort of calm down in terms of uh, in terms of the pressure that he was putting on him because obviously back in January, you know, earlier in the year, there was a lot of pressure because Gattuso well, he didn't turn down a contract. The the contract negotiations were quite tense. And that led to a bit of a yeah, a bit of pressure on the manager. And it does seem that in recent weeks that's sort of attenuated in a way. But I think either way he's he's obviously boosted his credentials. I don't it doesn't look like he's going to stay beyond the end of the season anyway, but he has pretty much guaranteed his place there until uh, until then. And um, yeah, no, it's it's a, it's a massive win because obviously with the amount of absences that they have, you know, in defence, they were missing Koulibaly and Mac- and um, and uh, Manolas, and they had they had to make do with, uh, with Romani and Maximovic, who actually you know both of them came out and played quite well. Solid defensive line, Merritt as well performed quite well. We've seen that Ospina's out injured, but it seems like Merritt can Merritt can pretty much take up that take up that role, which is which is great for for Gattuso. I think at the same time he they were playing a Juventus side which seems to have lost its way a bit. I think uh, especially with the midfield, that that midfield of Rabiot and Bentancur doesn't seem to be doing much for for Pirlo. I think it seems like. Seems like when when Pilo does break away from his usual midfield, especially with, uh, with McKenny, it doesn't seem like they. It doesn't seem like there's enough creativity in there. It doesn't seem like there's enough guile in there really to get them through to get them through games. So, I think I don't think it was a completely unexpected win in the sense that Juventus have been have been subpar, but. You know, yeah, it is, it is massive for, for Napoli. And I think they're still firmly in the race for, for top four. Yeah, with regards to Juve, um, you know, results-wise, they've been doing pretty well recently, uh, particularly after that Inter loss. But they did lose to Inter last month 2-0, drew another blank this weekend. What are your thoughts on them, James? Do, do you think this was a concerning result as they look to sort of work their way back into the title picture? Yeah, yeah, definitely at this stage of the season, I think they, they need to close that gap sooner rather than later. And it's always a big a big tie. It's always a, a tie which can affect a lot of things. So, yeah, I, I mean, it is slightly concerning, but it's, you know, they did create chances. They created, you know, as Raf says, Merritt was very good. They created some chances which on another day you'd probably expect them to score. Uh, Ronaldo in particular missed a really good good chance just inside the six-yard box. It, on another day, those go in, and I think it's it does show a little bit of a, a dependency on Ronaldo. In my opinion, I don't think they've got players there who can supplement enough when he isn't scoring. 
um, despite Murata starting well and Chiesa's chipping in nicely. But I, I do still think there's a little bit of a, a reliance on him. Um, but I, I wouldn't be massively concerned again. I, th I think they played well enough to win, um, missed some opportunities. And it, it, again, it's about readjusting. I know I keep coming back to readjusting expectations and just managing what are the expectations for, for Juve. I know they're very happy with the decision to, you know, go with Perlo. They want to give him time. So, you know, these losses will happen along the way. Um, I wouldn't be massively over-concerned, but it's, it's it, they really have a fight on the hands to get top four. It's such a, it's such a tight table at the moment, especially around that. The, the top seven seem to have pulled away slightly and there is a, it is a really tight group. So they do need to make sure they, they're, they're looking up to the top two rather than looking towards the, you know, the three or four below them, really. Um, but it, a couple of losses and it can easily go that way. So, yeah, I think they should focus on on trying to do something in the Champions League, which has always been the holy grail for them, and then just making sure that they, sol you know, consolidate and, and make sure they're in the top four at the end of the season. Um, and if they could still win it, why not? But I, I think that, that has to be the goal now. Yeah, of course, one positive for them is Paolo Dybala has just returned to training. So um, he's had a very stop-start campaign, of course. But uh, if he can get going, perhaps he can provide some goals to lift them up the table. But for the moment, Juventus remain in fourth spot. Um, and that's behind Roma, who are in third and got a very comfortable win again this weekend against Udinese. And they've been doing this all season against bottom half sides. So, Raphael, what, what do you think it is against the top teams are they just lacking in ability against those top sides or do you think it's purely a mindset issue in in the big games i think i think it's a it's maybe a combination of both because on the one hand i guess you could say they are the most predictable team in the league they beat who they should be beating and they lose against who they should be losing against um you know the squad that fonseca's working with is not it's not bad. It's there's a lot of very talented players in there, but it's clearly not got the depth or the the variation in you know, player profiles that uh, that a team like Juventus or Inter have. You know, Roma, Fonseca's got them playing. You know, in a in a very well against the bottom against the bottom half type of type of sides. He's got them playing in a very you know in an entertaining way. But it's a very set, entertaining way. It's not very flexible, and it does work against these these lower these lower sides that can't really defend against you know creative players like Mkhitaryan, for example, or Pellegrini, or the presence of someone like Jekyll or Mayoral up front. But you know you have to have other solutions. You have to have other uh, other alternatives, both both in the, in the tactical sense and in terms of player selection if you want to if you want to change things up against uh, against the the other sides you know, the sides that they should be challenging with and i think part of i think so part of it is a uh, you know just the the quality and tactics of the seat of the team and another part is i think the mindset the fact that the the bad run has been going on for so long under fonseca against these top teams and the fact that you have had, you know, a bit of controversy off the pitch as well, and the fact that there was a there was a rift between Fonseca and Jeko, and he's Jeko's only just just returned to action, and the fact that 
you've had these sort of sort of moments of madness at the club as well, you know, from that from fielding Diawara against Verona, even though they even though he was ineligible, or the the Coppa Italia against Spezia when uh, when they made six substitutions. There's been there's been a lot of chaos at the club, and I think that's spilled on spilled on over on the pitch, especially in the big games. I think you know they have the quality to mask it, or mask in a in a in a metaphorical sense against against these lower you know, these, these clubs that are in the bottom half of the table. But the cracks start to show when they are playing against these top sides because. Mindset is a massive part of those those uh, those sides more more so than when you're playing against uh, against teams that you should be beating. As we mentioned earlier, they they play Milan in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, that will be another chance for them to sort of get over this hump against the big sides. Um, at the moment, they are in the top four right now, and perhaps above many people's expectations this season, but. James, do you think for them to remain in the top four, they do need to beat some sides around them? Or can they simply get away with beating the bottom half sides and, and hoping that that's enough? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because the way that I see it is a, a team like Roma to, to be beating the kind of the rest of the table. That's It's a, it's a great place to start, really, because as I mentioned before, often you see teams that are just trying to trying to break into the into that kind of top tier and you see them beating the top sides in the league, but they can't get past the smaller teams. So I think it's a really good basis for them to build on. If you can beat the rest of the league, you're not too far away from, from challenging. And they're never too far away from challenging in the, in the games that they lose against the, the bigger side. So I, I think they definitely need to, to be picking up and they'll be looking at that Milan game coming off the back of the derby. Maybe Milan will be a little bit uh, morale will be a little bit hit um, and they'll be looking at that and thinking they could definitely pick up some points but I think it's a good basis to start from and they can it's not a massive jump from to beat the the bigger teams if you see what I mean it's if you keep beating the rest of the league just one or two wins for the teams in and around you and you will be up there so I think that I think they're doing brilliantly I really thought at the start of the season after the issues and the the registration issue and, and everything going on. I thought they'd really struggle, but they've they've bounced back amazingly. I mean, those two two losses that we saw in the in the Rome derby and then the, the the massive loss against Spezia. I think a lot of people maybe would have expected them just to kind of fold after that, and they've and they've kicked on and they've picked themselves up. Um, and in the past, you know, they might not have done that. So, I think they've I think they've got a real chance. Yeah, I mean, looking at the table, there's only three points between seventh and third. So. It, any win is or any loss is going to be a big one. So it's easy to look and think, well, the third, they're doing brilliantly, but it, it is so tight that they could easily be down in seventh, you know, next week even. So, but I think you have to give a shout to to Fonseca and Jordan Vera too as well. He's just been brilliant, hasn't he? He was absolutely everywhere and anything good that Roma do, he always seems to be at the heart of it. So, um, yeah, he's, he's got a lot on his back at the moment and he's he's really driving them on. So, yeah, fair play to him and, and fair play to Fonseca for, for kind of getting them up there, really. They're still in with the shout of of even of winning the Scudetto. It's so tight that a, a good few wins together, a couple of wins against the teams around them, as you say, and they could be right up there. So plenty still to play for for Roma, definitely. I wouldn't rule them out. Yeah, of course. And the reverse game against Milan earlier in the season was a bit of a classic, ending 3 all. So I think everyone's really looking forward to that match 
<clears throat> at the Stadio Olimpico um, in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, and as we say, that top seven have pulled away somewhat. And the only side from that top seven we haven't mentioned yet are Atalanta. Um, they didn't play particularly well this weekend, but they did get a last-minute winner against Cagliari um, to sort of stay in touch with the top four. Um, Raphael, how do you assess them in recent weeks? Obviously, it, it was, it's was it been a brilliant week for them, actually, because they also made the Coppa Italia final, of course. Um, but going forward, are, are they perhaps missing a slight spark with Papu Gomez going or do you think they're coping just fine and and are you know sorting to find their find their own without him I think in terms of the result it's not much of a surprise because they've always had these sorts of off-color performances against sides that you'd expect them to beat I mean this is pretty much part and parcel of, uh, of Atalanta in the last few seasons in terms of the performance yeah, I think they could have benefited from having a player like like Gomez. You know, I think I think it's pretty normal that for any you know for any team when you take out their best player, they're going to perform they're going to perform worse. I think that's that's common sense. I think as much as Gasparini's done his best to to make up for it by you know by using Pessina a lot more, who's who stepped up very well in the last few weeks. The you know obviously there is still going to be that. That, that gap really um, I, I mean I wouldn't worry too much about um, too much for them in, in that sense because they have got a lot of attacking talent in you know beyond that and I think I think this was a this was a bit of a bit of a, a, bit of a partic- particular case I guess because they did play they did play midweek and they have qualified for the for the final they you know they're doing well on all fronts so I think an off an off color performance where they even where they got a win anyway shouldn't be shouldn't be cause for concern. And um, you know when you when you have when you have you can bring on players like Muriel off the bench to who's, who's pretty much guaranteed to score. I think you're you know you're always going to be fine. I think for Mur- Muriel, I saw I saw a stat. It was he scored the third most um third most goals off the bench in in Serie A history. Which is which quite impressive. It's only it was twenty one goals. You know he's only four off um, Matri, who's who's who is uh, on twenty five. So yeah, I think you're always going to have these sorts of performances when you're recovering from a you know your best player leaving. But at the same time, they've done they've done quite well given the circumstances. Yeah, I think uh, Muriel's been excellent for them this season, um, scoring some really important goals off the bench. <clears throat> and as you say, Atalanta, you know, very much in the top four picture into the Coppa Italia final and still in the Champions League, got a mouthwatering tie against Real Madrid next week. So I think we're all looking forward to that. Uh, but their opponents this weekend, of course, Cagliari, are in the bottom three. And when you look at some of their players, you wonder how, you know, they've got Neangalan, they've got João Pedro, They've got the experience of Diego Godin, and yet it's just not happening for them. James, can you put, put your finger on why? And also, how much longer will they stick with Eusebio Di Francesco, whose stock has you know fallen off a cliff in the last couple of years? It has. It's 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 amazing to be honest. I mean, when we spoke earlier on in the season, I was was really praising them and excited about the team. Like you say, they, they really do have some some talent in there. They, they just can't win. They just can't win. They've, they've on a terrible run of form. Um, I, th- I think the only encouraging thing is that they 
they're not losing by many. They're being really quite unlucky. I mean, the, it must have been heartbreaking that the the winner Muriel got at the weekend, just so close to what would be a really good a good point and a, a building block for them. And just to see it wiped away in the last minutes is it must be really really disheartening for them because they, I think they've, they've, they've haven't won in so long, but they they've lost. I think the last eight games that they've lost, six of them have been by one goal. So it's not like they're getting turned over. It's not like they're getting really dominated. They're just losing by the odd goal, a little bit of luck. Um, I mean, I'd like to say it'll turn around for them because the quality of the players they have are good enough to do that. But when you have players that good towards the bottom of the table, you start to wonder where the desire is going to come from. Um, someone like João Pedro, he could definitely be playing higher up, higher up the table. You wonder if things start to carry on for a few more weeks, and uh, we tick towards the you know the last third of the season, where the players like him will just think, ah, well, this is a sinking ship, and uh, and just kind of down tools a bit. So uh, it it is a worrying kind of situation in terms of Di Francesco. It's it's unbelievable, isn't it? And it just goes to show how quickly things can change in football. Um, I saw this as a really good opportunity for him to build his stock back up um, at a, a middling kind of club and do something, maybe push them towards the European places, which I don't think is, is unfeasible. Um, it's hard to pinpoint what's happened. Maybe it's just a case of here we go again for him. His, his desires and motivation has gone. I'm not sure. Um, I think there is still a manager in there, but it's it's going to take a lot to come back from to come back from this. Really, even if he keeps them up, I can't see him staying in staying in the job. I think it'd be strange for them to sack him. I mean, it wouldn't be strange, but I think it would be remiss for them to sack him at this point, just because I think it, it, the talent said there's enough to turn it around. Um, but I, I can't see him lasting beyond the season. Even it's a shame. It's a real shame. But that's a way. That's a way it can happen, isn't it? You don't get the results, and, and all of a sudden you you look like a jump. Yeah, of course. Especially it's it's, it's actually been a, a, a horrible sort of fifteen months for uh, Cagliari because you know they were in the top four in December twenty nineteen, and then obviously had a shocking sort of three or four month period under Rolando Moran, which cost him his job. And this season, they've been on another really long, winless run. So, uh, yeah, hard to see where things will start going right for them. But they need it to happen soon because otherwise they could be cut adrift. Yeah, I think, you know, the whole, well, the whole of the bottom three are in danger of being cut adrift. And that includes, well, you've got to include Torino with that as well. So it's it's looking like a bottom four at the moment. And I know we're going to speak a little bit about Fiorentina and, and they could possibly get pulled in as, as well. But yeah, it's looking like for the rest of the league, at least, it's looking like they're the four that um, it's going to be four, three from those four, basically, isn't it? It does seem that way, yeah. And, and and we'll move on to Torino next, actually, who uh, who got a draw this weekend against Genoa. And, Raphael, on, on the face of this, I think this is a pretty good draw, given how well Genoa have been doing recently. Um, and Torino have been picking up a few sort of draws um, in, in the last few weeks. H how do you see their form at the moment? And, and will draws be enough, or do they really need to start winning games to sort of... Uh, build up a gap between them and that bottom three. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't think just getting draws will be enough, but it does show that they have reached some sort of stability. Um, I think it's five five draws in their last five games, so it's, you know, at least you know, at least they're not losing. But at the same time, yeah, they do need to 
they need to move up a level at some point. I think it is good that they've stopped. They, I guess they've stopped the bleeding in a way by get, getting these draws. Um, especially when you look at it in context, getting a draw against the Genoa side, which has clearly been in very good form, is a is a perfectly good result for them. So even if the match, from what I've seen, wasn't very entertaining, but they, they got the job done. Um, but yeah, I think now it's just a question of building on what they've, that stability that they have got now and making the most of, you know, the fact that Belotti's there, for example, I think that's the, that's the biggest factor. And I think obviously he's going to be keen in keeping them safe if they do, if they do stay up. I mean, they are still a, they are still a risk. I mean, they are, you know, if getting draws is good for, for a while, but they are going to need to press on eventually. And yeah, I, I, I think I think they will. I think they have got the quality in the team to 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 sort of move on now because I think what what the new manager has done is sort of he's had an impact on them on them, the mental side of things because I think that was that was big. Especially you look at the start of the season, they were playing well, but they 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 were they just kept losing um, you know some high scoring games. A lot of them at the last minute as well, and I think now that he's sort of got the monkey off their back in a way, they can sort of go on and maybe put on a put put, put a decent run together. Yeah, that that they'll certainly be hoping for that. Um, but one side who certainly aren't on a decent run and are firmly lodged in that bottom three right now are Palmer. Uh, they lost again this weekend, two one against Verona. Um, James, I want to get your opinion on this. Obviously, they've got Roberto Diversa, who's been back for, uh, you know, just over a month now. Do you think he's placing too much faith in the players that worked for him the first time around and, and maybe needs to give more of them? Because they made plenty of new signings last month. Should he be giving them more of a go um, in the coming weeks? Because it doesn't seem to be working right now. Yeah, without a doubt. I think without a doubt, it's... It's a classic, isn't it? You see teams struggling. They bring reinforcements in in January and uh, for one reason or another, they don't give them game time. They don't let them change the fortunes. And it, it's it's kind of easy to get sucked into that trap of thinking, well, you know, we'll, we'll give them a bit of time and uh, you haven't got the time. You know, they're on a terrible run. They're, they're sinking um, at the moment and he just has to try something different. I think you have to cut him a little bit of slack. He's not He's not been there all that long um, and you do have the bed players in it's it's whether we like it or not sometimes you can't throw players in one reason or another um, I, I do think that he just has to try something different and the signings that he's made have, uh, look like they could make a difference I know Zerxe came on didn't he um, couldn't couldn't do anything yesterday but he, he looks like a player to me who who is better than Palmer, with you know, with respect to where they are at the moment, I think he can he can play at a much higher level. Um, but he needs a game time. Um, and again, it's important they don't place too much pressure on a player like that. He's still a young player. Um, he's got a long career ahead of him, so you, you can't. There has to be a balance, doesn't there? But there's no point putting faith in players who have got you, you know, second bottom from the table. The way that I see it, uh, something's got to change. And as we say, the, the bottom four are getting cut adrift. Torino, look like the one two can get out of there. Um I had a little look, nine teams have actually lost more than Torino. So it is just they can't turn draws into wins. With Palmer, it looks like they're just unable to get 
anything at the moment. So he does have to change something, try something new, but I can't see any way out for them, which is a, a huge shame, a huge shame. You know, with the takeover and everything, it looked like they might bounce back. I think they're everybody's second team, aren't they? So it's a huge shame. Um, and it's going to take a long way to get them back again, I think. Uh, I don't see any way out for them, I'm afraid. Yeah, I think everyone sort of remembers that great Palmer team of the late 90s and then all the struggles they went through, uh, you know, sort of six or seven years ago to work their way back, establish themselves back in Serie A the last couple of seasons. But it does seem to have fallen apart this year. Um, and as you say, they they look doomed right now. So that they need to turn things around quickly. Um, you've said that the bottom four look to be cut adrift, but the team just above that bottom four is Fiorentina, who lost 2-1 to Sampdoria this weekend. Um Raphael, if there is a team that's going to be dragged into that bottom three, is it going to be Fiorentina? Despite, you know, they've got some really good players, but it's not happening right now. Could could the shock happen and they go down this year? It could be because it just seems like they're in a downward spiral. You know, they they've they've managed to get the odd good result. I mean, that obviously that game against Juventus was very impressive, but they haven't been able to build on any of them. Every time they get a win, they just fall back into that sort of same rhythm, that same sort of lethargic performance that they that we've been seeing all season. And I mean, you have to wonder what the season would have looked like if the if the if those managers at the weekend had swapped well, swapped jobs, really, because Ranieri with this Fiorentina side would definitely not have them at the bottom in the, at the bottom of the table because. Obviously, you compare the, the the relative quality of the two sides. You know, Ranieri would clearly do a lot better with uh, with that with that team. I mean, he's 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 been doing he's been done a very good job with uh, with Sampdoria to get them. And they're they're in the top half now, and to have them you know to have them grinding out these results is very impressive. It's a testament to him. Um, you know, the fact that Qualiorella of all people is his is his main striker essentially. You know, still doing the business at 37 is is very impressive as well. So, I think yeah, going back to Fiorentina, I think I do think eventually they are going to get they are going to get dragged in because there's no signs that they are, they are going to improve. There's there's no signs that there's going to be sort of an uptick in form because even yeah, even if they do get the odd win, it just it crumbles back again, and it's a shame because. Similar to Parma, there, there's been there's been a lot of investment into that team. You know, they've they've have, like Parma, they've had a new American owner. You know, it seems like a a lot of teams have had new American owners in these past few years. But I mean, the the two most vocal ones so far have been Fiorentina and Parma's, and you know, the results aren't sh- um, showing you know that that sort of ambition that's that's been. The the the, um, the commissar has been showing, you know, investing in a new training ground, being very vocal in the media about getting Fiorentina back to where they belong. He just hasn't been, he just hasn't been shown on the pitch. And you know, I I think eventually they will stay up by a whisker probably, but you do have to wonder what what changes is he going to make to to this project in the summer. Prandelli is definitely going to leave, but. What kind of direction is it going to take in, uh, in you know moving forward? 
It reminds me a little bit of a couple of seasons ago, actually, where sort of Fiorentina were in that mix with Genoa and Empoli, and you know, they, they looked like they were safe, but just lost so many games towards the end of the season and ended up only staying up by a couple of goals in the end. So it's, yeah, it's looking really, really bad for them at the moment, and they could get dragged in, as you say. Um, one team who don't need to be dragged in anymore because they are, in fact, bottom of the table are Crotone. Uh, they lost again this weekend to Sassuolo 2-1. And uh, just looking at Sassuolo, this was their first one win in a while and was an important victory for them. Could, could this be a turning point for them, do you think, James? Or, or is it simply the fact that Crotone aren't very good? It could be a bit. I think it's a bit of both. Like, like always, I think... It was important they got the win. Definitely, it was. I mean, you look at those. I think they're winless in the last five. You look at the teams that they played in those in those games, and the, the, you know they're all teams kind of down the bottom half of the table. And um, so we talk again about it's important who you kind of beat, and they've been having some better results and then struggling against teams that they should be beating. Um, but I think the, the the more or less where they should be, I think Sassuolo. I think that they had a really good start, didn't they? And everybody got a bit excited about them. And I think the, the, the more or less to me where they where they should be. Um, teams have these runs in in seasons. You know, they're not the, they're not the top teams in the league. Um, teams will have these kind of runs of of kind of games without winning. And and I don't think it's necessarily anything to panic about. And I'd, I'd say the, the more or less where they should be. I still think they could just sneak into that top uh, seven, that top group. I think they've got enough quality. And I think uh, they've put this kind of fallow patch, if they put this fallow patch behind them, I think they 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 do have enough to, to haul themselves back up. That I thought, I'm just saying, I thought it was a really soft penalty. Um, the first one, it was never a penalty. So that, you know, you get help in hand like that, you need a little bit of luck. And I think they got it in that game. I think Crotone on the other side, I think, I don't think the doomed, I think for me, I do think Torino will pull away and I think it will be those three that are there now, but it's not inconceivable. They could get away. Unas looked like, um, he looks like a good signing for them. I think Calgary could maybe live to regret that, um, not extending his loan or not seeing his loan through. Um, he looked really lively for them. So if if if, if they're going to get out of it, I think he'll be key. Um, but yeah, I think two teams that are probably more or less where they should be in terms of the grand scheme of things, really. Yeah, as, as you say, Crotone are only actually five points from safety. So not completely cut adrift, but... Um, but yeah, they, they do need to start picking up results and, and that hasn't been happening lately. Uh, on to the final game that we haven't mentioned this weekend yet, and that was Bologna-Benevento, who played out a one-all draw. Um, these sides, both of them nine points clear of relegation, seem to be pretty much safe. Raphael, what, what do you think their ambitions are for the rest of the season? You know, th these sort of sides sometimes are in trouble of letting the season peter out. What? How can these sides make sure that doesn't happen? Yeah, I mean, both sides are pretty much safe. I think for Benevento, any you know, they're not, they weren't really, there weren't really any high expectations at the start of the season anyway. It was mostly just to improve on the catastrophic season they had last time they were in Syria. So I think any, you know, anything, anything from now on to the end of the season is a bonus. I think Inzaghi's done a very good job there. I think for Bologna. You know, they've been so inconsistent this season, despite the fact that they've got all these very good, very good attacking talents. 
and you have to wonder, you know, is Mihailovic has to find a way to get more out of them more consistently. You know, Musa Barra, um, uh, Orsonini as well. And uh, they're like, I think, you know, you look at the, well, you look at the Bologna squad in general. I think Mihailovic, I, I've nothing against him, but he's, he, I don't think he's the right manager to get the most out of them. I think potentially a manager like, like Italiano, for example, would do a very good job at, um, uh, at Bologna, possibly in the mould of what, of what the Zerbi's done at uh, Sassuolo. Mihailovic, he's he's not really at the right club in terms of in terms of uh, you know the, the the players that he has available to him. I think Bologna do need a manager uh, at the end of the season who can take them up the level because in terms of the raw talent of their players, there's definitely a lot more can be done. And I think unless Mihailovic shows that he can sort of lay that foundation for next season, uh, for in the, in the running, I think. They have they do have to think about changing managers. Yes, yeah, certainly, certainly going to be interesting to see how how that pans out um, as the season sort of draws to a close and see where both those teams finish. Um, okay, so I now want to look ahead to what's going to be a really interesting week. Um, European football returns this week, of course, and Juventus are in action on Wednesday night. Uh, not going to touch on Europa League because the second legs are next week. So I'm going to talk more about that ahead of the second legs next week. But Juve play Porto. Uh, James, do you see them getting through that one without too much trouble? Or, you know, could, could that be a potential slip up, particularly coming off the back of a defeat against Napoli? I think it's I think it's massive actually. I think um it, it's it's probably when you looked at the draw, Porto were probably the team that you know all of the, the big boys probably would have fancied. But I think they're really well drilled, you know, they're very experienced at this level. Always the same with Porto. Um and they they could be a banana skin, you know, why not? They Juve took Leon likely last season and and look what happened. You know, it's not always on paper the the easiest draw that kind of ends up being that way. So, I think it's really dangerous. Actually, I do think it's really dangerous. Porto had a bit of a tricky start to the season. They've, they've come back into it a little bit, um, and I, I, I think they've got to be really careful. Actually, Juve. I don't think it's a, a foregone conclusion at all. Um, and as I say, I think they should be trying to really focus this season on on getting at least to, to the final or you know winning the winning the Champions League. And I, I think. Perlo's obviously inexperienced. He knows it as a player, knows the competition really well. But I, I just think I've got a feeling Porto, and I'm not going to say they're going to win, but I think they're going to cause them, cause them some trouble, to be honest. But I still yes. think they'll come through. Still think they'll come Yeah, I, I think Porto, you know, sort of in the last few years have been that sort of last 16 team. Uh, although, of course, they did beat Roma a couple of years ago, didn't they? Um so they, they have caused Italian size problems in the past. Uh, and as you mentioned, Leon knocked Juve out. Uh, Ajax the year before in games that Juve were heavily favoured in. So, uh, as you say, a stern test of Pirlo's side perhaps uh, coming up. Um, and then, of course, looking ahead to Serie A this weekend, we've touched on it already. Milan derby, always an intriguing one. This is perhaps the biggest one in... I don't know, the past decade, possibly. Um, how do you see it going, Raphael? I guess based on current form, Inter enter it as favourites, but do you think form will go out the window and perhaps Milan will really step up and rise to the occasion? 
Yeah, I think, you know, it's all the overwhelming favourites on the basis of, of the form in the last few weeks. But yeah, obviously it is. It's a massive occasion. And I think, you know, you form, the, I don't think form goes out the window necessarily, but it doesn't play as much of a part as it as it could in other games. I think a lot of these players, a lot of the Milan players as well, they step up on big occasions. Guys like Ibrahimovic and, and Donnarumma will, you can you can be sure that they are going to play a massive massive role in the in the game one way or another. Um, you know, obviously there's there's still a bit of bad blood as well from the from the last game. You know that that clash between Ibrahimovic and Lukaku. So there is that sort of narrative going on. And it's going to be you know yeah it's going to be a massive game in, in every sense of the word really. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. Can can I get a prediction out of you? I'm going to go with uh, Inter winning, but not necessarily comfortably. Okay, interesting. Uh, and James, I'm going to come to you to see how you think it's going to pan out. And also the other big game this weekend, Atalanta-Napoli. I, I wondered what your thoughts were on that one as well. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant too. Really, really good. We're spoiled, aren't we, those, this weekend? Um, I think the Milan derby Inter, obviously, are going to, going to benefit from not playing midweek. It's not always a, you know, a, a benefit. Actually, sometimes it can, if you're in good form, you can take it into midweek games, keep rolling on. But obviously that, that defeat at the weekend will really hurt Milan. Um, they're going to Belgrade, aren't they? So it's a, it's a, it's a long journey. Um, I, I think Inter will walk it, to be honest. I've, I've got a feeling that it's going to be a little bit of an anti-climax. I think Inter will, will kind of steamroller them a little bit. Um, not basing on that much, but <laughs> that's the way I see it going. I think Napoli, Atalanta's a really big game as well. And I think whoever, if there's a loser in that game, whoever loses that can can say goodbye to definitely uh, the title and possibly possibly top four as well. I think that's that's really big. You talk about Gattuso, if he wins that, you know, Juve and Atalanta back to back. How can you how can you sack a manager? Um, who's delivering those kind of results? So it's yeah, lots of narrative going around, and it's it's looking really tasty into coming into the last kind of third of the season. So um, yeah, I think in that one, stick my neck out and say uh, Napoli are going to take the good form into into that game as well, two one. But into okay. in, in the Milan derby, I'm saying three three nil Inter. Why not? Well, three nil. Okay, yeah, certainly set up to be a very interesting. Uh, Sunday afternoon into the early evening. Uh, of course, Napoli thrashed Atalanta in the reverse fixture earlier in the season, probably their best performance of the season. Uh, Atalanta got their revenge in the Coppa Italia. So I guess you can maybe say this is the decider between those two this season. Uh, OK, well, that brings an end to the episode. Thanks a lot for joining me as always, guys. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. We'll catch you soon. Goodbye.